Thank you for taking time to listen to this sermon from Hope Church Toronto North. It is our prayer that through this message, you are challenged and encouraged by the Word of God and grow in your love for God and love for others. It is God's desire for us to be members of and regularly participate in a local church under the care of qualified elders. If you are not attending a local church right now, we encourage you to take that step. If you do live in the North York area and are looking for a local church, we invite you to visit us at one of our Sunday morning gatherings to discern if this is the church God is leading you to. Hope Church, it's a privilege to be with you this morning. You can go ahead and turn in your Bibles to the Gospel of John, and we'll be in chapter 15, the first 11 verses. Have you noticed our culture's obsession with trying to find the secret sauce, the life hack, that one thing, that one system, that one technique which will level you up and change you forever? It feels like every week there's a new guru, a new gimmick being advertised, but when we look underneath the hood, we find out that they're all advertising the same old self-help, self-reliance mantras. If we're not careful, what often happens is that we bring that same mentality into our lives as Christians. We say to ourselves, all I need to do is try harder and I can make myself a better Christian. And yet, is that the truth? Are you the answer to you growing and thriving and advancing as a Christian? Do you have what it takes to make yourself a better believer? You're already saying it. No, the answer is no. Obviously not. No, that is not the answer. The Lord Jesus Christ had something to say about this in John chapter 15. On the eve before he would be crucified, he spoke to his 11 disciples and would tell them something specifically concerning this truth. And he would go on to show them and us this morning that the way to thrive as a believer is not in you or I, but it's in him. It's in Christ in whom we find the ability and the strength to thrive and be fruitful. So we'll be in John chapter 15 verses 1 to 11. As you get there, if you're not already there, it's important to realize that at this point, Jesus, as I've already mentioned, in a few hours will be captured, brutalized, and crucified. And chapter 13 to chapter 17, right in the middle where we are, we're in this place known as the Upper Room Discourse, where Jesus is speaking to his disciples, and he's already told them about his soon coming death, He's told them about the coming of the the Holy Spirit. Judas has already left to perpetrate his betrayal. And now he enters into this parable-like metaphor about vines, branches, and fruit. All with the aim of teaching us this lesson. That if we as believers would seek to thrive and be fruitful, we must stay close to Jesus. As he begins in verse 1 to 3, he introduces us to the cast and characters before bringing us to the heart of the message. So look, at, look with me at verses 1 to 3. I'll be reading from the English Standard Version. Verse 1. I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. 
Jesus walks us into God's vineyard, introduces us to the first cast members, in contrast to Israel of the Old Testament, who was depicted as being a vine producing sour grapes. Jesus says, I am the true vine. I am the one who produces good fruit, the source of good fruit. And then he says, the father is the vine dresser, the one who takes care and watches over the vineyard. Now let's see the last two characters. Verse 2, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Here Jesus introduces us to the fruitless branches and the fruitful branches. Depending on the presence or absence of fruit will determine how the vine dresser, how God responds to these branches, either cutting them off permanently or pruning them in order that they would increase their yield. Now, at this point, it's important for us to understand what this means for Christians and how we should think of this analogy in terms of what it means to be saved. Jesus clarifies all of this in verse 3. He says, already you are clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. Jesus here explains to us, and this is so important and foundational for us to understand the rest of this passage. He explains to the disciples, the 11, excluding Judas, that based on the words he had already spoken to them, the words concerning him as Messiah and Lord, based on their faith in those words, the 11 disciples had already been saved. This means that at this point, the disciples were already authentic followers of Jesus. They were not pretenders like Judas. As a result, this metaphor shows us not how to become Christians, but how to live as a result of already being Christians. This is so important because it would be an incorrect application of this passage to walk away and think to ourselves, I just need to do everything here and I'll make myself a believer. No, a person is solely saved by faith and repentance in the Lord Jesus Christ and the gospel. Therefore, to accurately interpret this passage, we must understand that true Christians are the fruitful branches and false converts are the fruitless branches. With all of this understood, look with me at verse 4. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. This, this verse, those words, abide in me, are the main point of this entire metaphor. Jesus says the basis of any fruitfulness, the basis of any thriving in your life as a believer is dependent on your relationship, on you abiding in Christ. The word abide means to remain, to stay, to continue in. So to abide in Christ means to remain in Jesus. It means to stay in Jesus. It means to continue in Jesus. It means to stay near to him. In other words, to abide in Jesus Christ means to live in complete reliance on Jesus. To abide in Jesus is to draw all your resources from Christ the same way a branch draws sap from the vine. To abide in Jesus is the opposite of drifting in your relationship with Jesus Christ. To put it succinctly, 
To abide in Jesus Christ means to stay close to Jesus. Stay close to Jesus. We could summarize this entire passage and everything that I'm about to say with this sentence. If I want to thrive as a Christian, I must stay close to Jesus. If I want to bear much fruit, I must abide in Christ. This leads us to our first principle of thriving. Number one, I must stay close to Jesus because he is my only source of power. I must stay close to Jesus because he is my only source of power. Look again with me at verse four. Jesus says, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Christ makes it absolutely clear why he gives this command. It's because there's no way, it is absolutely impossible for you and I as believers to bear fruit apart from abiding in him. You see, brothers and sisters, Christianity is not about being a better version of yourself. It's about receiving and living the life of Jesus through your body and through your personality. When you became a Christian, you were supernaturally connected to the Lord Jesus Christ. In a deep and mysterious way, it can now be said of you that when Jesus died, you died. And when Jesus rose from the grave, you likewise experienced a resurrection. The technical term for this is known as union with Christ. You can go ahead and read Romans 6 at another time to see how amazing this truth is is. But it's based on this foundational reality of already being united to Christ that Jesus now says, you're to abide in me. The Christian walk is not a call for you to try harder, to be a better version of yourself. It is a call for the old sinful you to be buried in the grave and to allow the pure and holy life of Jesus to be lived through your body and person. This is what the Apostle Paul was getting at in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, when he said, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Christian flourishing is all about staying vitally connected to Jesus. It's all about staying close to Jesus. And in case we were foggy about how necessary, how how, how crucial this is, Jesus says in no uncertain terms, whoever abides in me, verse 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Nothing. Now, your inner skeptic might be wondering to itself, to yourself, Nothing? Come on. Surely that's hyperbole. Surely there's something I can do on my own. There must be something I can produce by myself. What about my neighbor? He's nicer than some Christians I know. Isn't that good fruit? Well, friend, there's no exaggeration in the words of Jesus right now. Nothing really does mean nothing. And yet it's very important to grasp what is Jesus referring to when he speaks a fruit. Jesus here is referring to spiritual fruit. 
to spiritual good, that which can only be produced in the life of a human being through the power of the Holy Spirit. Spiritual fruit can be defined as Christ-like conduct and character. Christ-like conduct and Christ-like character. The Beatitudes, blessed are the poor in spirit, the meek, those who are merciful, those who are peacemakers, and really the entire, the entire Sermon on the Mount is a great list of what it looks like to be someone bearing fruit. As well, of course, Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 to 23, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, and the rest. These are ex- excellent examples of what true spiritual fruit, true spiritual good looks like and what Jesus is referring to here. It's true that non-Christians may exhibit respectable character and even do good things in the eyes of men. But in the eyes of God, this sort of self-generated counterfeit fruit is rotten because it is done not from drawing resources from Christ, but from self. And it is not done to the glory of God. Comparing this counterfeit fruit to true spiritual fruit is like comparing one million Ugandan shillings to one million U.S. dollars. While Ugandan shillings would have little worth or value in America, counterfeit fruit is absolutely worthless in the eyes of God. Thus, brothers and sisters, here is the reason why you must stay close to Jesus. Here is the reason why you must stay near to Jesus Christ. You have no power in yourself. You and I are empty. Jesus Christ is full. You and I are needy. Jesus is rich in every grace. You and I are weak and we are frail, but Christ is mighty and strong. Saints, you must stay close to Christ. You must. Some of you are surrounded by unsaved siblings or parents. Brother, how are you going to love those who persecute you, pray for those who persecute you? The only way is by abiding in Christ. Some of you are homeschool parents. And that verse out of Proverbs that says, foolishness is, foolishness is bound in the heart of a child is quickly becoming your life verse. Sister, how will you speak words of life and grace to your little one when you're tempted to frustration? The only way is by abiding in Christ. Some of you are struggling to overcome recurring sin habits of jealousy and gossip. How will you mortify the deeds of the body? Only by staying close to Jesus. Saints, each of us is utterly helpless without Christ. We are too spiritually bankrupt to bear fruit on our own, but praise God, we're not expected to do it on our own. See what the Lord says, the Lord Jesus says in verse 5, whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. Whoever abides bears much fruit. Whoever Whoever, this is correlation and causation. Every believer has been connected to the life-giving vine of Jesus Christ. Therefore, any believer, including you, are capable of bearing fruit beyond your wildest imagination. In fact, in God's vineyard, 
There is no such thing as a fruitless Christian. In God's vineyard, Christians will bear fruit and must bear fruit. See what the Lord says in verse 6. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. Here Jesus describes for us the fruitless branches. The person who claims to be a Christian and yet shows no life change, no evidence of a change in character and a change in conduct. Could this be you here today? You claim to be a Christian, and yet you're just as harsh and demanding as you've always been. You serve as an usher, as a greeter, but are committing secret sin unrepentantly week after week, month after month, year after year. Please understand, every true Christian will bear fruit. The degree of a Christian's fruitfulness and thriving will be dependent upon how close he or she stays to Jesus. But to speak of the total absence of spiritual fruit altogether is a different game. The absence of spiritual fruit in the life of a person is evidence of the absence of true saving faith. Such a person is unable to abide because they've never been connected to Christ, and so they cannot bear fruit. Friend, do not ignore your conscience. If your life looks more like the fruitless branch than the fruitful abiding branch, then be concerned. In this metaphor, the Lord Jesus says that dead branches are thrown into the fire. In the afterlife, fake Christians, false converts are thrown into the eternal fire of hell. I urge you, stop relying on yourself. Stop pretending, stop acting, stop faking. You can, the best version of yourself will never be acceptable to God. Turn away from your sins. Turn away from the ways, your own ways, and turn to Christ. Turn to him by faith. Trust in his death and resurrection for the forgiveness of your sins. And if you do, you will be connected to the life-giving vine. And you too will know the abundant life of fruitfulness that Jesus is describing here. So far, Jesus has shown us our need for staying close to him because he's our only source of power. Now he'll show us how to stay close to him, how to remain plugged in to the power source in verses 7 to 10. We'll examine all those verses, but look with me even at verse 7, and we'll see the key right there. Jesus says this, If you abide in me, and my words abide in you. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you. Do you see it there? It's through the word of God. It's through the word of Christ. Through Jesus' statements, utterances, and commands. It's through the Bible, through the scripture. This is how we stay close to Jesus, by absorbing, praying, and obeying the word. 
This leads us to our second principle of thriving as a Christian. I must stay close to Jesus by living a word-centered life. I must stay close to Jesus by living a word-centered life. Again, verse 7, Jesus says, If you abide in me and my words abide in you. In this sentence, Jesus describes what it looks like to abide in him. And he equates staying close to himself with staying close to his words. For us today, the words of Jesus have been recorded in the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And yet, because the entire Bible is God-breathed, 2 Timothy chapter 3, and because all of Scripture testifies of Christ, John 5, Luke 24, we know that the entire Bible, both Old and New Testaments, are the words of Christ. And so in light of this, Jesus communicates the expectation to his followers then and to us here today that we would be people who are filled with the word, that we would be people who harbor and cherish the word of God in our hearts, that we would be people in whom the word of God dwells richly, Colossians 3.16. The implication here is that a diligent Absorption of God's word is one of the key ingredients to staying close to Jesus and thriving and being fruitful as a believer. And yet you and I both know the problem with us is that we often listen to the word preached and read our Bibles the same way a college student reads his accounting textbook or listens to a lecture with eyes glazed, unable to remember what was just studied an hour later. We read and listen to the word, but it has not engaged our hearts. We have not digested and absorbed it. Church, the transformative power of the Bible is unleashed in your life through understanding what it says and meditating on what it means for you. This is what the Apostle Paul was getting at in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, when he said, be transformed by the renewal of your mind. You see, this is the difference between reading the Bible for a checkmark and reading your Bible with the goal of staying close to Jesus. The first says, I've read my Bible and I'm done for the day. While the second says, I've read my Bible and I've been transformed. The same way you make lemonade by squeezing lemons until juice comes out of it is the same way you must approach the scriptures. To squeeze it, to meditate on it, to deliberate on it until you get something out of it. Stay in the word until the word stays in you. Brothers and sisters, I urge you, I encourage you. Make the study of, your, of the scriptures your goal. To read your Bible slowly with comprehension as your goal and to listen to the preached word intentionally, applying it to yourself. This is how to absorb the word. This is how to stay close to Jesus. The amazing thing is, is that if you do this consistently, it will begin to revolutionize your prayers. So that not not only have you absorbed the word, but now you're praying the word. You pray the word. Look again, verse 7. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish 
and it will be done for you. Now, don't take this verse and start praying for a Lamborghini or a Corvette or a Bugatti. That's not what this verse means. Rather, the result is that as we absorb the word, more and more we become like Christ. You see the connection between scripture and prayer here. The more Christ's word is in you, the more everything about you will be shaped by Christ, including your desires and your prayers. You will begin to want what Jesus wants and pray for what Jesus wants. And because you're praying for what Jesus wants to happen, God will answer your prayers. That's what Jesus is saying here. What we're seeing in this passage is that what Jesus wants truly for you is that you would be fruitful. What we're finding out in John 15 is that what Jesus wants for you is that you would be a thriving believer, bearing much fruit. As you absorb the word, you will pray the word. Your prayers will be more about bearing spiritual fruit and less about making your life easier. More about holiness and less about personal comfort. More about the salvation of your coworkers and less about getting promoted. More about resisting ungodly peer pressure at school and less about getting the best grade in class. More about rejoicing in the midst of suffering and less about avoiding trials and tribulations in your life. Can I just say as an aside, as a tangent right now, that I find it so fascinating in this passage that God is so committed to your flourishing as a believer, to your thriving, to your fruitfulness, that God as the vine dresser will prune us. He will cut us back. He'll put us in situations and circumstances that are beyond us. Trials and tests that are ultimately meant to make us to stop relying on ourselves and then to begin relying and abiding in Jesus so that we would bear fruit that otherwise could not be bared if things were easy, if it was not for the test, whatever it was. Amazing. Tangent complete. Back to the point. We find here absorbing the word, praying the word. And as I've already mentioned, the Lord Jesus tells us that if we do these things, our prayers will be answered. Verse 8, by this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. By what is my Father glorified? By prayers offered to Christ, to God, asking to be fruitful. These glorify God. Why? Because praying to be more fruitful is the same as praying to be more like Christ. And as we become more and more like Jesus and resemble more and more our Savior, we give evidence to ourselves and to others that we are genuinely, genuinely followers of Jesus Christ. Therefore, people of God, if you want to bear much fruit, if you want to thrive, then pray the word. Absorb the word, pray the word. And now as we continue, looking at verses 9 and 10, we'll see living a word-centered life means that we would obey the word as well. Absorb the word, pray the word, now obey the word. Look at verse 9. Jesus says, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. You see, this is the type of verse that you put in your back pocket and you pull out whenever you're having a bad day. Jesus says, with all the love of the Father, believer, I love you. He says that on behalf of the Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, I love you. 
tremendous. The love of God for us. And as a result of this love, Jesus is telling us to stay close to him. This is what Jesus is getting at when he says, abide in my love. It's another way of saying what he said in verse 4, abide in me. And it's similar to what Jude says in his epistle, keep yourselves in the love of God. They're all saying the same thing, stay close to Christ. The emphasis here being that to stay close to Jesus is to continue to experience the warmth of Christ's love for you. It is to feel in the depth of your being that you are truly loved by the Son of God. Friends, how do we stay in this place of experiencing this love? How do we stay in this place of staying close to Jesus, of staying close to his love? The answer is in verse 10. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I've kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. It is by obeying the word, through obedience to the scriptures, to the, through obedience to the word of Christ. Jesus is showing us that our felt experience of his love and nearness will be affected by how we respond to the scriptures. Now, this is not to say that Jesus loves us any less when we as believers sin. The love of God, the love of Jesus for us is endless. It's everlasting. It will never change for you, for all of his people. But just like the teenage daughter who feels unsettled, not because her mom loves her any less, but because she intentionally chose to break curfew, so it is that a believer's experience of Christ's love can be affected when we purposely disobey God's word. What Jesus is trying to show us right now is that obedience is a means of abiding. Obeying the scriptures is a means of staying close to Christ. Now, granted, the idea of obeying all the scriptures can feel daunting. So where do you begin? Well, you begin with the immediate context of these words, of this passage. The commandment that Jesus is referring to here is the same one that he had established in John chapter 13, verse 34, a few hours before on that very same evening. It's the commandment to love fellow believers as Jesus has loved us. Here he's reiterating it again for us in John 15, verse 10, but you see it again immediately in John 15, verse 12. Just look down in your Bible. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. This is the commandment that Jesus has in mind. This is the commandment that Jesus is putting before us, telling us that to obey this is an act of staying close to him. And the place and the context in which this command is most immediately applicable is within the church, is within this church. So saints of God, love your fellow members eagerly generously, sacrificially. Do you know of a couple in the church who's had a newborn and could use some help? Why not volunteer to babysit for them once a month? Do you know of a sister whose car is in the shop? Why not go to her and tell her, sister, I'm going to be your personal Uber all week. I got you. I'll take you to work, pick you up. I'll help you with groceries. You don't need to call Instacart or whatever. I'll help you. 
Why not be the person to serve? Why not be the person to fulfill and to pursue obedience to this command and be a person who's staying close to Jesus? The key to thriving as a Christian is staying close to him. All because we know we need him. He's our only source of power. It's by living a word-centered life of absorbing, praying, and obeying the word. And now finally, look with me briefly at verse 11, where Jesus gives us this purpose statement. He says this, These things I've spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. This leads us to our final principle of thriving. I must stay close to Jesus in order to know, to experience real joy. I must stay close to Jesus in order to experience real joy. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full, may be complete. Think about that. That Jesus Christ is concerned about your joy. That Jesus Christ wants you to be happy. He wants you to know true delight and satisfaction. He wants you to know his joy. His joy is a joy which is founded on his intimate fellowship with the Father. A divine, otherworldly, Trinitarian joy. And he wants to share that with you. And as a result of that, he says, stay close to me. People of God, we really can't do anything without Jesus, can we? We can't even be happy without him. We can't even be joyful without him. All other joys in this life are temporary, fragile, unprotected, and can be snatched away at any moment. And ultimately, they all pale in comparison to joy in Jesus. True joy, fullness of joy, unrelenting joy, joy inexpressible and full of glory is found in Jesus Christ alone. Therefore, if you desire joy, if you desire happiness, my friend, stay close to Christ. Hope Church, it's clear that Jesus wants you to thrive. He wants you to be fruitful. And we've learned that we cannot do it in our own strength, but solely by relying on him. So don't ask yourself, how little abiding can I do and still call myself a Christian? Rather, ask yourself these questions. How joyful do I want to be? How much do I want my character and conduct to reflect that of Jesus? How much glory to God do I want to bring through my answered prayers? How much transformation do I want to experience by absorbing the word? How weak am I without Jesus? And let the answer to those questions lead you to the place of abiding, to the place of staying close to Jesus. And just watch how you'll begin to thrive. Watch how you'll bear fruit. Let's pray. Lord Jesus Christ, we praise you. We thank you for your word and how you give us these clear instructions for our joy. 
Oh, Lord, help us to be people who stay near to you, who love you and cherish you. All of this we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. For more resources or information about Hope Church, visit hopetorontonorth.com.